Hey everybody, it's great to have you with us. My name is Chris Murphy and with me is Patrick Sukup. We are the co-hosts of the Fort Collins Fellows podcast. Patrick, why don't you tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about the podcast and why we started it. If you're coming to listen to the Fort Collins Fellows, you're coming to get all the information necessary and needed to live the best life possible in Fort Collins, Colorado. Let's go. Well, I'll lead us in. We've already kind of a stock intro, but today we are with Rebecca Everett from the city of Fort Collins, and we are going to be talking to you all today about probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest change in the Fort Collins real estate world and kind of the the path of where Fort Collins goes from here over the last 25 years. And we have an expert with us who really knows the plan inside and out. I personally listen to the Zoom call they had on November 29th that was super, super informative and helpful. And we're excited to have her on. So thank you for joining us, Rebecca. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're, you're, you're uh, stirring the waters here right now with this land development code. Holy smokes. <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting. I know. So when this, re when this releases, we are recording this in the middle of December, but this will release in the second week of January. And from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, the the kind of cohort of Preserve Fort Collins has until the end of December. So we'll know if this is going to be officially passed or going on to potentially the November 2023 like special ballot um, by then. Is that right? Yeah. So we're yeah we're currently in the middle of a petition process um, for a group of community members who are driving uh, an effort to. Yeah, put a referendum on the ballot related to uh, council's recent adoption of a new land development code. Really, regardless of the outcome of that petition effort, there's a lot of really important community dialogue happening right now as it relates to what future uh, growth and development and housing looks like in our community. And there are so many perspectives. There are so many kind of deeply held values that come up in those conversations. And, you know, it's it can be a little hard sometimes to get past the emotion of some of the issues and really dig into some of the data that's driving, you know, both the trends in our community and code changes that can help respond to those trends and our community's future needs. So this, this code update really uh, relates to the future vision that our community has said they want for Fort Collins. Land, so the land development code, can you just give, you know, our listeners and viewers just, I mean, this is the first time it's changed since 1997. Do I have that right? It's 25 years? Yeah. It, it, yes and no. It's, first significant change. First significant change. Yeah, okay. The first overhaul. Um, you know, we've actually, as a community as a and as a city, been pretty good at updating our code on an annual basis to, to tweak it, to respond adaptively to different changes or issues that arise. You know, a good example is marijuana businesses. We didn't have code in place for marijuana businesses. And so that's been added and updated as kind of we've strived to be more of a dark sky friendly community. We've updated lighting ordinances. So there are bits and pieces that have been updated, but it really hasn't been looked at comprehensively since 1997. And our community has changed in some pretty significant ways in that 25-year period. And our codes that regulate new development projects are no longer responding to the needs of our community as it relates to housing or even commercial development, office, industrial, the direction that development is going, the land that remains available for development is um, reduced, the type of redevelopment that we're seeing is changing. And our, our codes really aren't responsive to that. And we're seeing development in the community that you know, residents and businesses and community members aren't proud of. And these code changes really seek to better align the new development that we're seeing to the type of community people want to live in. No, that, that makes complete sense. You know, and there's so many changes like short-term rental is that ordinance that came into play and, you know, the protection of manufactured home, you know, that, that zone that kind of got passed and you can't be too stagnant with how how quickly things change and you know it's like you said since Fort Collins since 1997 Fort Collins has changed so dramatically I remember I was just doing a video yesterday and I was you know one of the things that I talked about was when I would drive to work 
or we get driven to work or to school. Um, I would, <laughs> I would, I, we would, we'd play with like with how many out of state license plates we'd see, you know, and a good day would be like one to three license plates that weren't Colorado. And, you know, driving back home the other day, this time from work, you know, you're looking, uh, you, you fast forward 20 years and you're looking at license plates and, you know, there's 20 to 30 to 40% of the license plates out on the roads are from out of state. And, you know, Fort Collins' growth has been just incredible and with its desirability of, of places to live that, yeah, there's lots of different opinions and ideas. And also, honestly, like how cool is that? Like one of my clients, she's an architect out of California that focuses on affordable housing developments. And she is like thrilled with this because of the ability and uh, opportunity to provide affordable housing and keep affordable, you know, keep for cons somewhat affordable with this change. And she's a massive proponent and she's, I mean, you know, she's been an architect for Apple. Uh, she, you know, developed some phenomenal projects and her like firsthand experience with municipalities and cities that have gone through these types of changes with her, you know, opinion of it is is really eye opening to see it. Like, no, this can absolutely help affordability. It's you know, it's Patrick, because I've I as we've researched this and we've talked about this, Rebecca, I've gotten more pushback on this. And we'll talk about that here in a second than like people excited about it. So, you know, it's it's you know, I, I, for instance, I, I live like right by CSU College of Prospect. And it's like a week ago, everybody's front door had a like a paint sticky note on it. And it was like fight this. This is ridiculous. I mean, so, you know, the opposition against this is definitely out there um, trying to make their voice heard. Before we kind of go to that, you know, I, the one question the Land Development Code is, a, the big part of it is these, I always used to call them uh, attached dwelling units, but that doesn't make sense, the accessory dwelling units. And I, you know, I have some numbers that I'd love to get your thoughts on because I was just trying to like, you know, Put it into practical terms if somebody was going to build a cottage house or a mother-in-law suite and how much that is going to cost these people to do it so i guess we you know this is just my general thoughts on it but what is the goal of the new land use code i know it's affordability housing you know there's not enough you know you can't build any new communities but what is like if somebody said what is the new goal of this land use code rebecca what what's your answer to that just simple terms to yeah, that are fighting it. I guess you could say. Well, there there are. I would describe it as three different goals. Okay. One is capacity, housing capacity. One is affordability. Yeah. And one is diversity in housing choices. And so, on the capacity side, it's really about removing some of the barriers that exist today that allow for the housing market to respond to the housing demand in our community. And there, you know, there certainly is a, a concern that we hear a lot about about growth and about Fort Collins changing or losing some of its character as more people come to Fort Collins. Um, what drives growth in Fort Collins is not our zoning or our land use code. It is our jobs economy. It is the fact that we have really amazing employers, um, CSU and Woodward and HP and um, the school district and UC Health. I mean, it, it is our local economy that, that really attracts people here. Um, the zoning can either kind of facilitate growth in a way that, that reflects community values or it can create kind of barriers to um, housing development that then export kind of housing impacts right. to other communities around us. And so um, there's been an intentional choice by our community that we want to increase the capacity for housing in our community to accommodate the people who work here to also live here. Um, so that's that's one goal. The second goal is affordability. We know that we're in a hot market and we probably always will be as long as we have great jobs um, and as long as we are kind of constrained in the land that we have available. available and so prices are going to rise. You know, as more housing comes on market, that could relieve some pressure on the overall kind of um, price of our housing stock. And we know we need to intentionally incentivize or in some cases require affordable housing units to be included in market rate projects or I'd encourage our housing providers like Housing Catalyst, Habitat for Humanity, um, give them the space that they need to develop affordable housing for our workforce. Um, and then third is diversity in housing choices. Um, our zoning 
for for several decades has constrained the amount of choice that people have in housing types. And this is true of suburban communities like Fort Collins all over the country, where your options are either kind of a, a detached single family home on a, you know, a, a decent sized lot or an apartment in a higher density area with not a lot in between. The entry point to home ownership is really hard for those detached single family homes when those prices are rising. So we lack a lot of condos and townhomes and smaller starter homes in our community. And so one goal of this code is to in incentivize, encourage, and provide the conditions for some of that um, smaller, um, what's sometimes called missing middle housing to be developed and to support aging in place. We hear from a lot of people who come to Fort Collins because they want to retire here or want to stay in Fort Collins as they retire, um, but want to be able to downsize or want to be able to accommodate an aging parent or a caregiver within their property. And so Chris's accessory dwelling units you're talking about are a great opportunity to eat for a retiree, maybe to supplement their income with rental or to have an in-home caregiver to support them or you know, what, whatever those family needs might look like. So one of the reasons I think people move to Fort Collins, you're right, is the jobs and the economy and everything like that. But there's also that charm um, and the fact that it isn't a hustle and bustle busy community. Do you think that this is going to impact that, that charm and that livability? And we, we talk about parks, obviously people aren't going to be taking out parks and building apartment complexes, but are, it, what is, I mean, the pushback when it comes to, you're going to lose a little bit of that charm. If you, you know, you talk about capacity, so we're going to put more people in a smaller space you know, what's your reaction to something like that? Yeah. Um, no, that charm and character is so important to me as as someone who's been in Fort Collins for you know, over 17 years now, and I live in Old Town myself. So that's mm -hmm. that that character is um, such an important part of my life. That charm is driven that people talk about, I think is driven by a couple of things. One is this feeling of connection to people in your community and connection to the place and this this feeling that you have some ownership. And the community, you know it, you know the people around you, and you're able to walk to places. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of kind of funky businesses that are unique to Fort Collins and, and things like that. And then part of it is the physical form of our community, the, the feeling of the built environment, the buildings themselves, the scale of the neighborhoods or our commercial areas, and the vibrancy that that adds. Um, the code really strives to protect that that physical form of our community. So while there are things that are like duplexes or accessory dwelling units that are now allowed more broadly across the community, there are that's paired with design standards and size limits on different housing types that really seek to keep those new housing units in scale with what's already existing in, in neighborhoods. So if you're to build a new duplex in a subdivision that's mostly single family homes now, that building is not going to be that much bigger or, you know, could be actually smaller than some of the single family homes that you see in those neighborhoods. So, um, you know, I think there's a fear that allowing different housing types is going to lead to a lot of scrapes and kind of out of scale. Absolutely. Modern yeah. homes that don't fit or seem to match what Fort Collins feels like to people. Um, and the code has a lot of protections against against that. And I, you know, on the, the kind of the first side of it of like what, what makes Fort Collins charming, it's, you know, it's being able to run into people, you know, all over town and, you know, the great gathering spaces at breweries and parks and outdoor spaces. And, and none of that is changing with, with this code. There's still space, there are spaces for that. There are, are still, the zoning is designed in the community in a way where those types of gathering areas can be spaced all throughout the community. And um, that's a, that's that's a major focus for us as well. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I think it's great. I think, uh, you know, I've had, you know, aging in place, retirees supplement their incomes with an ADU. I think also it's not going to be in my, who knows, obviously moving forward, but a lot of these accessory dwelling units are going to be owner occupied primary houses with an accessory dwelling on the backside. So the idea of like slumlords is going out the window because they're going to want to have pride and ownership of their home as well as their unit that they're right there to be able to maintain. So I think these are actually going to be, and I've seen, you know, like Portland, my buddy, uh, he actually runs a company called, or uh, is part of a company called, I think it's called Bungalow. And it's like a short-term rental, but it's like basically like 
let us come in. We're going to help you. And I've got a lot of questions, but I'm sure we'll only get a half of them. But, you know, let us come in, help you build actually an ADU. Let me let us take you through the process and create this additional income on your property. And, you know, charge they charge some type of fee, but essentially help navigate and really expedite the process because, you know, it's a daunting task. I'm, I'm going to be doing a big, you know, kitchen living room remodel. And um, that's, I guess, probably my first question to you would be for somebody who says, okay, I, I live uh, in a house. I've got a plenty, my lot's plenty big. Um, I want to put an accessory dwelling on you and I, cause my, my dad, you know, he's 85 years old and I want to have him live right next to me and, and then a nice house, but also separate because I don't want him next to me. <laughs> I want him separate. I'll <laughs> from the life family to a point. Yeah. From that point, <laughs> uh, you know, if let's just say they've got all their draw drawings, architectural, you know, and they're, but they're kind of going, um, not your con you're not your general contractor, but just like they're doing it all themselves. So they go get an architect, they get a contractor, all that good stuff. What time frame could they expect from getting all those drawings submitted to permitting for them to get an approval through the city of Fort Collins if you're able to answer that? Do you feel like what range? Yeah, this is close to home for me. I've been through a lot of these processes myself. You know, I did an addition on my own house a few years ago. I've been through historic review. I've been through variance processes. I've been through the building permit process. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so the city processes are are not easy to navigate. Um, no. We're working every day on process improvements and really trying to evaluate our customer's experience and trying to help ensure that the process is accessible and is streamlined enough that people can get through it while also upholding a high standard of quality that our community expects. Um, so I'd say, you know, for an accessory dwelling unit, um, you know, a lot depends on kind of the, the consultants or the support that you have from a contractor or from structural engineers or architect and their knowledge of the process. But it's, at this point, it could be a six to nine month process uh, to get through. Uh, just approval, just to get, just to get through appro approval before you're able to get to construction. Um, we've seen other communities who have, once they've um, reduced barriers for ADUs, stand-up programs that provide technical assistance or stock building plans that people- I love the stock building plans. I hope that becomes a thing. Can what do you, what is, yeah, what is... I build and that you are already kind of pre-approved or, you know, even some communities have financing programs um, that, you know, in exchange for keeping your unit have rented at an affordable level. Um, this, the city will actually help um, keep your interest rate low or you know, close to zero interest for a certain period of time to help you finance that. So there are a lot of models out there that we've been looking at and thinking about, okay, this code update removes one of the barriers, the regulatory barrier. It doesn't remove the financial barrier or some of the process barriers. Um, so those would be some next steps that we'd be looking at. So Rebecca, right now, I, I right before this uh, our interview this morning, I had a call with a local bank talking about HELOCs. So this is a great example of somebody's got to come in, they two hundred thousand dollars to build this ADU. I mean, prime rates about to go up here in about thirty five minutes again, and so you're going to be you're looking at an interest rate after overlays of nine and a half percent, and and you're doing an interest only payment for ten years. If you get two hundred thousand dollars to build this ADU. That interest only payment is almost sixteen hundred dollars a month. So, I mean, that was one thing that I'm like, man, that is, you know, get two hundred grand to build this ADU. You know, you're not even take tackling any of that principal. Now, obviously, if you get renters in there to help offset that and slowly take it away, so that affordability that affordability is huge. And I, I hope the city of Fort Collins can work with some of like, you know, Canvas Credit Union or Elevation, some local credit unions to figure that out. Are those conversations happening, or or is it just kind of very preliminary um, in that uh, conversation. Very preliminary at this point. I, I really hope to see those conversations evolve um, over the next couple of years, assuming that the, the code can be implemented next year. Um, that'll free up some space to start talking about those things. You know, fees is a big part of this too. And we've seen some communities, Loveland, for example, um, allows more ADUs citywide now, and they actually waived a lot of the development fees that would otherwise apply to new housing. Um, Fort Collins hasn't chosen to do that yet, but that's something also that could be looked at to reduce the cost. 
Um, I, th- I think the other thing to mention on ADUs is it's not just those detached, like mother-in-law apartments, carriage houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, an ADU could look like a basement conversion and taking a, an unfinished or a fi- finished basement that you already have and you know, creating a separate living space, kitchen, bathroom, you know, make sure there's kind of safe kind of egress and all of that. And that that could be used as an accessory dwelling unit. And that is a way to accomplish that for less cost. Yeah. And I mean, like for us, we my, my wife's an occupational therapist. So aging in place has always been a very important thing for her. You know, ranch, wide, wide hallways, low lip, you know, showers. Just she has all the horror stories in the world that I just choose not to listen to and ignore. But they happen. And, uh, but you know, one of the things for us, you know, we have three kiddos, but we, we're going to, like I said, we're going to do our kitchen, living room remodel. We could see this house being our house for the next, you know, 20, 30 years. And at some point, the kids will be out of here and maybe we don't need 4,000 square feet. And so we, you know, make the basement, uh, you know, walk out or, you know, a basement duplex. And at that point, you know, Chris, instead of $200,000, it cost me maybe. Twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars, bringing it up to code, going through permitting, getting a kitchen in there, all that good stuff. Right, and all of a sudden, I am living mortgage-free, can stay in my house, afford property taxes. I'm on a fixed income, and you know, I think that ability will, you know, provide for a lot of people to give back monetarily to the city because maybe instead of paying money towards a mortgage that goes to Wells Fargo, they're able to pay more, you know, to volunteer programs and things of that nature if they can. Uh, you know, you're... yeah, it's you know, it's funny. I I don't. I mean, I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate, but you know, hey, it's, it's a good conversation. Like, I feel like I have so many more questions about this, and I know we're in the early stages of this of the whole thing. And listen, like, I it's such a you know, four cons. I born and raised here. Patrick and I both born and raised here. Twitter Valley Hospital, the whole nine yards. Four cons. Actually, you too, right? If I remember. Yeah. No, I I I'm from the Denver area originally, in the, in the suburbs oh. of Denver, but I've been in Fort Collins since 2005. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and I and I moved away in 2001 and moved back since 2017. So when I came back, I mean, holy cow, that was 16, 17 years when I was gone. So much changed, and I love my community. But you know, I like I said, I have a lot more questions about this whole code. And and the one, as I as I wrap my head around this, you know, I, I totally understand the three goals: the capacity, the affordability, the diversity. It seems like the city council or, you know, was putting this together is basically, you know, the, the community is responsible for implementing this, right? Like, you know, they're not going to go around and knock on people's doors and say, Hey, you need to put in an ADU or you need to have more affordable housing in this neighborhood. It's almost left to the individuals in our community to go out there and provide, you know, with this new code. Now you can do these. My worry is, is are people really going to do it? Is it really going to solve the affordability problem? And it, the, when I first started reading about this, that's what I talked to Patrick about. I'm like, I'm going through my client list, everything like that. We're just trying to educate people on this. And so, hey, if you want to do it. But my biggest worry is is, is really, you know, let's say you get 100 people in town to do this. Is that really going to help affordability in Fort Collins? You know, I'm curious your thoughts on that. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do have thoughts on that. Um it's there are a couple things. Yeah. One, the code is just one tool in the toolbox. You know, we have a whole housing program. We have housing program manager. You know, we have a land bank of properties that the city purchases and then either develops or resells for affordable housing. We have we're exploring kind of funding programs to put more funding out there for affordable housing. There are a lot of other um, avenues that can be explored that might have. Um, more impact on units actually getting built in some ways. But one thing that the code does, you know, a lot of the dialogue in the community right now is about some of our lower density residential areas. And now you can add ADUs and duplexes, but that leaves out a, a big component of the code update, which was focusing on some of our key arterial roadways um, and transportation corridors like South College, downtown, Campus West, um, Harmony, these are areas where there is capacity for a lot of new housing still, and there could be a lot more affordable units added as part of development projects. So we have recalibrated the incentives that are in the code to make it more feasible for the market to deliver affordable housing. So there are height bonuses, there are perking reductions that are um, have been market tested against our own market to determine where's the breakpoint for a developer, at which point they'd be willing to 
there's enough benefit of being able to add more units that they'd be willing to deed restrict some affordable units as part of their project. And so um, there are some tools in the code that we really do hope are going to generate a lot more affordable housing, um, probably more rental affordable housing. And, you know, opening up some of these options for different housing choices, it might, it, yeah, we might get a hundred units or, you know, like you're saying, it might be a pretty slow process to see some of those things happen. And so there are other programs that would complement that. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, what, so it's interesting, like I was, I was talking, I think it was with Chris or somebody, but like, you know, the uh, affordable and, t- and my math is wrong. Tell me. Um, but, you know, as far as the affordable rents like are kind of close to market rents and re- and from like what I'm seeing, you know, if we take have an area median income of $111,000 and 80% of that, you know, you can only spend 30% of the 80% gets you to about $2,200 a month for a family of four. I mean, maybe it's a, like I have a three bedroom, three bathroom rental in West Chase that's 3,300 square feet. And now granted, I'm very much under market because I've had some phenomenal renters that I've kept in there for the last five years, but I, I think that's still 26, 2700. So, I mean, and that's a, a very big house. So, I mean, I think it's for an investor, if you have to do it, if you're going to do a triplex, like there are a lot of these numbers still make a lot of sense. I mean, for four yeah. rental rates, but I don't think there's going to be any like huge, like drawback saying, oh, if I've got to keep it affordable for 99 years, I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, at today's Debt service, maybe if you resell it, yeah, sure, there might be some interesting thing about that point. But I don't know. Currently, it, it wouldn't be a, a, a hindrance to me saying I want to make my basement a ADU. Now, tell, and uh, maybe tell me this: if I turn my basement into a, an ADU, uh, if I and then I built an accessory dwelling unit, is that a triplex? But one of those has to be affordable, right? Or how would that? Well, work? yeah, if um, it, right triplex, here. if all of those units are within the same building. Oh, so none. Yeah. So if you're, if you've got a duplex on the property and this is generalizing, this is for only for a couple of the zone districts, this is, this is true, but they cover a lot of the community. Um, so in the RL zone district or the old town, a zone district, you could build a duplex and you could build a detached ADU, or you could build a, a triplex, a single building triplex on that site. If you do the D the duplex plus the detached ADU, um, there's not a requirement for that to be to include an affordable unit, but there, it, because those building sizes are so limited that it should generally match the form of what a, a single family home would already look like in that area. Whereas a triplex starts to become a bigger building. Um, and we really do need to incentivize some affordable housing with that. So you midtown, downtown folks, I'm, I'm on the Southeast side of town and you guys already have a ton of on-street parking all around you but it's big wide streets in my neighborhood huntington hills we don't have a ton of on-street parking and i can tell you if i did i i'm i'm a young i'm a young buck in this neighborhood there's a lot of older folks so i might come in here and wreak havoc to my neighbors not really i love all my neighbors but that being said if i did end up putting a duplex down below you know in the envelope of the current building and built an ADU, which I would have enough room because I'm on a third of an acre, I'm sure. That's a lot of cars. And I know they're going to be so pissed. And that's the big argument is like, I don't want somebody doing that next to my house. You know, it's like, but I could, and there's, and and I'm sure it would be tons of hoops to jump through the HOA. You know, we've already clarified that couldn't really stop me because the code supersedes that. But, you know, all of the uh, neighborhood kickback, I'm sure maybe they would attest it or protest it or whatever, and it'll go through that process. But let's just say it passes. I know you had mentioned there are already permit permit um, opportunities for neighborhoods out there. But man, like I live on a corner, kind of busy. And if I did have a duplex under me with two people living there and an ADU with maybe let's just say one person, but that puts us at an additional three cars, that just starts to really clog up that road. What? How is City of Fort Collins? talking about overcoming some of those problems, you know, issues. Yeah. Yeah. Parking is a big one. Um, and you're absolutely right that it, the context varies in different neighborhoods around the community. Um, some neighborhoods just were built with a lot more street parking or have alleys. For a duplex, there would be additional parking requirements. So um, if you've got a two-car garage right now, um, for example, there would need to be 
um, depending on the size, depending on how many bedrooms are in that duplex, um, there would need to be one or two additional off-street parking spaces that are provided with that. Um, so that could start to functionally limit kind of how many properties could really accommodate a duplex um, once you start to have those parking requirements and might lean someone more toward you know, converting their basement to an ADU, which doesn't require that additional parking and not going a full kind of duplex route. And it, there are kind of slight differences between what an ADU, what counts as an ADU and what counts as a duplex. But yeah, the, there are some limitations that start to come up as it relates to parking to ensure that that's, that's managed well. That is also something that we, you know, will really closely monitor. We don't expect that there will be a lot, like you're saying, Chris, that there are going to be a lot of these applications. So it might be that a neighborhood has a couple people that do this in the next five it, years. And a few more people after that. And that's, you know, on the scale of neighborhood, maybe not that many more cars. But if we do start to see this, you know, a lot of people picking up on this and adding more of these units more quickly than that, it's creating issues. The code is a living document, something that can be updated to address those challenges. Yeah, I think it's going to be really neighbor. Like I live like College of Prospect, you know, I mean, you go down Wedby or you go down Remington or, you, you know, as you move north in the old town, oh my gosh. I mean, I've been walking around there with my dog. I'm like, I should buy that lot, <laughs> put it in a duplex. That'd be a perfect spot for it. I think it's going to be very neighborhood specific. It's kind of my guy. Like when you get out into um, Nelson Farm, for instance, my dad lives at Nelson Farm. I don't see anybody in Nelson Farm. I could be wrong now putting in something like that. But Rebecca, question about, you know, a lot of pushback is this was never voted on. I didn't know about it. You know, all of a sudden it's passing. You know, talk to us a little bit about that. You know, this wasn't on a ballot. This is something that, like, who made this decision or was it the city council that teamed up with the city planning? Um, and we should say that you are the planning manager at City of Fort Collins, right? So you, I mean, are you, were you in the room for those conversations? How, how did that kind of decision process go down? Because I know a lot of people are kind of angry about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that is something that we've gotten a lot of, of questions about. Um, and I'll just say we're, we're a community of, you know, 170,000 people at this point. It's hard, hard to get everyone's attention about any issue. Yeah. And I, I think in our current kind of COVID, post-COVID environment, people have a lot going on in their lives. Um, it's hard hard for any topic to kind of rise to the to someone's attention until it feels like it's really impacting them personally. The these code changes came out of the, you know, they, it was a specific recommendation in multiple city plans. Um, our overall comprehensive city plan. Um, the housing strategic plan, our climate future plan, there was a pretty clear mandate from the community to explore some of these code changes through those processes. And so in this case, there there wasn't much of a city council didn't feel like there was much of a policy question. It was the direction was fairly clear from the community. Um, and so the process was to you know, put information out there. We did educational sessions on what is you know planning 101 and what is a land development code and how do development review processes work and and then start to explore some of the code changes um, with the help of a consultant team and then bring that draft code to the community and that's once that draft code was released and once council started getting closer to a vote and then voting on it themselves at one of their meetings that's when it caught a lot of attention from the community. And we're, you know, we're hearing that this is something that the community want, you know, may want to weigh in on. And that's something that's happening nationwide. I, the, the dialogue that's happening in Fort Collins around housing, around these types of zoning changes is not unique to Fort Collins. There are so many communities wrestling with this, considering similar changes um, and having really similar community dialogue about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if, if everybody has to go in front of city council and pitch their idea, it's just a huge waste of time for city council and for the, yeah. No, I, I, I like that it's a little bit more streamlined and, you know, if we can get, you know, the, um, you know, like you got to get the permits and everything, if that can get sped up a little bit, that, you know, that would obviously be better as well. But you no, know, I know a lot of people had that question out there. Well, and I have to like applaud you guys, honestly. I mean, it was like when we had, you know, uh, Chris, when we had Mayor Waitroxel on, you know, mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the undergrounding of the utilities in the sixties. Right. I, I think, shoot, I, I, and the, you know, Fort Collins connections and things like that. They're just, I mean, granted that was a, a, a ballot issue, but 
man, City of Fort Collins has just done an amazing job of forward thinking. Like, let's plan for 20, 40, 60 years out and not like, man, I'm really pissed off today. But in reality, 20, 40, 60 years down the road, like we've, we were still a successful community because the changes we made 60 years ago to accommodate for what our needs are today and not always scrambling from behind. So while it's a difficult choice and may not feel super comfortable, like the amount of experts and discussions and time spent on everything, like I'd much rather the experts, you know, go based off of things that we're telling them with, you know, uh, affordable housing, density, transit, gas emissions, taking all of those things in. Okay, here's all of your considerations based off of all of the, you know, parameters. Here you go after 15 months of worth of work. I just think that's a whole lot better of a solution than having somebody who might have read a paragraph ballot issue for the first time placing a, a vote on. I, but that, and, you know, not I said, I thought that voting is important, but I also think that things like this that need direction and, expertise behind need to be chosen and, and developed by those that are extremely knowledgeable. Oh, I, and I totally agree. Like, like I just think if you, you know, if you put everything up to a vote, nothing is going to get done. Like nothing will get done. Like what is the, uh, I love the Larry David Super Bowl ad. He goes, you know, you let everybody vote, even the stupid ones, like, you know, just go up there and like, <laughs> you know, I'm a, you know, I used to work in the golf world years and years ago and, you know, Sometimes when you ask all the memberships what they thought, these are like, oh my God, that's the worst thing in the world because you're going to get split decisions. And then eventually you just got to go out and make the decision. Just go, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, all right, my job is asking these questions. <laughs> now, oh, I have for you. Like, you left, yeah, us, you left us a little teaser. And I don't know how much information you'll be able to give to us, but like you said, it's a living, breathing document. And you kind of alluded to, I think, in the Zoom call that this is phase one of this big change. Like, are there like, Five phases, two phases, how when space, two kinds of expect in these next phases. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The first phase here was focused on housing. Um, you know, and and trying to create kind of the overall structure for the code as we continue to update sections. Um, we are only envisioning two phases. Um, the second phase is funded, has been funded by city councils for next year's budget, 2023. That will be probably a multi-year project, a couple of years. And it will focus on a number of things. One is really looking at our commercial, industrial, and employment zones and, and those lands and making sure those the land uses and the design standards in those areas are calibrated um, to our needs for the future. Looking at our transit corridors and how development can better support transit investments. And then looking at a lot of our different development standards that just haven't haven't been updated in a long time landscaping natural resource protection for you know urban tree canopy and forestry kind of tree protection um parking you know i could kind of go go on and on um there, there's a lot that needs another look or a fresh look and so the phase, phase two effort will kind of round out a lot of the work that was done in phase one and just modernize the code to better align to a lot of the adopted plans. And I mentioned some of those plans that also includes the Parks and Rec Master Plan, the Active Modes and a Bike and Pedestrian Master Plan, the idea of 15 minute cities and that everyone should be able to access jobs and services and amenities within a 15 minute walk or bike ride of their home. So a lot of those policies and plans would be influencing the phase but two. What are your thoughts on Montava and what Max Moss is doing over there? in that community. Yeah. Um, you know, Montana's obviously it's the it's the biggest development plan that the community has ever seen. It's about a thousand acres, the overall master plan. We have a couple phases of that development already in review. And it's um the plan as it's designed really directly reflects the vision for that northeast part of the community. There's a plan in place long before Montaba uh, was on the scene for what development looked like out there. And it was really, it hinged around having a neighborhood center with a grocery store and right. center and community amenities. And it takes, um, it takes a lot of housing units to support those kinds of amenities. This is those 15 minute walks to the businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, for those who live in Maple Hill or up in that part of the community, it is hard to get kind of those services that you need. And so I think it's the, 
the development plan for that area really reflects the, what the community has said they want um, for Northeast Fort Collins. And it's a, you know, 30 year master plan. It will right. take a long time to work through a lot of the challenges and constraints related to infrastructure and um, water and utilities and, and other things. So it's not a, a project that will probably be resolved in my during my career fully, <laughs> but you know, I think it's exciting for the community and that it it is a developer that came in and really wanted to understand the community's needs and priorities and is trying to deliver that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the uh developer gosh, what, what is it? It's the Greens, the one that has got all the lawsuits going on right now. What what's that one? What? What 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 what, no. what is this? The Greens? You need to get the name of it, but they I'm sure it's called they would have Sanctuary it. on the Greens. Sanctuary on the Greens. I'm sure they would have wished they would have waited until January 2nd, 2023 to start their their uh, review process and all the millions I'm sure they've spent on lawsuits and redevelopments and redesigns because of the neighborhood advocacy group that has, you know, come about. Now, you know, I know it, it sounds like it's even though you're getting rid of the neighborhood meetings, it sounds like there's a very simple process to put in a $100, you know, contestation or something along those lines if you really are concerned about it. And then it goes to counselor and then, it, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I think one of the biggest things that honestly, I think if anything has come about with this land development code, it's stay informed, keep watch of what city council is doing because it really is impacting our daily lives and really this community that we live in. And they're wanting to have people's feedback. And these are a lot of things that, you know, we're putting these people in place by our votes. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's something to where, you know, I think some of the best people in Fort Collins right now is uh, for the Colorado, Molly Bohannon. You know, she's live tweeting Tuesday evening meet. You know, I so I don't I don't watch the three hour session or whatever it is. I go on the day after and I read her 150 tweets or whatever it is. And I stay up to date, you know. So, I mean, it's it's some phenomenal information out there. But, you know, City of Fort Collins, there, it's not like this was like a, you know, cloak and dagger type deal. It was weird out there with all the information. You just have to be listening. Yeah. If, you know, we did a whole ballot thing and it was amazing, Rebecca, how few people, like if you're worried about what's happening in your community, you know, I mean, yes, vote for, you know, the, the national elections are important, but these local elections are way more important and people just, just are not in tune with that. And it's just like, you know, if don't complain, you know, it's like, you're not voting and you're not learning and you're not talking and having these conversations, then it's almost like, you know, you know, what is it? The loudest fans or sit in the highest seats or something. <laughs> you know, so but I like what, what was, I like the, uh, terminology and I had to like Google it, but the nibbies, nimbies, what is that? Nibbies? Not in my backyards. <laughs> you know, and, and people don't pay attention to it until they see a development sign in their neighbor's yard. And it's going to have this big ADU that is absolutely going to get passed through. And, you know, it happened five years ago that the, you know, let's just say it's 2028. Like, what is happening? <laughs> where, where you been? And now that it's in your backyard, you've got an issue with it. And, you know, I, who knows, but it sounds like, you know, I, I, it sounds like this will probably get passed, but to your point, you know, a lot of great conversation has been started with this and I, there will be revisions, I'm sure. And like things that will get brought up and, but it sounds like, you know, Kelly Olson, who's kind of always the, the dissenting vote, which I kind of dig, like I'm not necessarily, not necessarily to get into politics, but I kind of always just dig his dissenting vote. No matter what it is, it's always no, you know, or if it's all yes, it's no. And if it's all no, he's yes. But you know, it sounds like his comment that he made last week is it sounds like 4,200 sign, you know, sign petition votes is going to be pretty tough. And it sounds like this is probably going to go into effect January 1st. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I can't, I can't predict. I don't, I don't have a good sense of what the outcome is going to be. I will say Fort Collins has really benefited for its entire history from healthy debate and dialogue. And, you know, my hope is that people are kind of informed or get informed or come talk to you know, city staff if they want more information so that we can have a, a productive and healthy community dialogue because it it has been helpful for our community. The reason Fort Collins is such a great place is some of those tensions that exist and the willingness or the need to compromise on things or the need to find creative solutions together. And it's something our community is really good at. And then uh, you know, I'll also say you know, great communities in Fort Collins being one of them don't happen by accident. There's a lot of decisions. There's a lot of intention 
behind things like policy and codes and all of that. And so um, I, I completely agree with you guys about the importance of people just paying attention and, you know, understanding how their government works and being kind of civically involved in the way about the issues that are important to them. 100%. That did, uh, I encourage everybody to listen to that Darren Attenberry interview because he really does a good job of explaining how the Fort Collins city government works. Like, he did a great job of that. I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. Um, question. I, 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 what's that question for you? Real quick. I, I, yeah, I got one more too. And then we can okay, perfect. And, and we'll finish with our kind of our, our, our stock question. Yeah. But it sounds like, you know, what would your recommendation be to somebody who like this just works for them. Like they're like, man, this is perfect. I like, like I think the best thing is, is again, like I have a client whose dad, they've been looking for literally two houses side by side or a lot that's big enough to build an ADU. They don't want to be downtown. So like literally I said that we need to go have coffee because this is, you should just stay in your house and build an ADU because I think you're probably gonna be able to do it. But what would your recommendation be to somebody who like, this just is something that I want to do. And why I ask this is as far as, should they wait until they're, is some financing, some stock building op opportunities, or you know, it gets a little bit more clarity in a year, two, three years down the road, or would it be no? If you're going to do it, do it because who knows if and when those things are ever going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage if people are thinking about it, I would encourage people to right now or or early um, come talk to the city. Um, come talk to the planning staff or the building department to really understand what's going to be required um, to get a realistic kind of understanding of what codes will need to be met and what the costs might look like and, you know, start, you know, working with an architect or whoever might be able to assist with that. Um, I think having realistic expectations is really important. And so, you know, it might take someone a year just to figure out exactly what it is that they want or to to find an architect that they like or you know in, in which time there may be more programs available or more assistance available so um i i wouldn't you know if people are interested in um what they might be able to do on their property or what some of the requirements or constraints might be we would love to talk to them and have those conversations as early as possible nice Yes. Rebecca, I just have one last question. It's kind of off topic from the ADUs and everything like that, but you mentioned landscaping just a few minutes ago in Fort Collins and water is a big part of, you know, Northern Colorado and issue and everything like that. I have a uh, zero scraped house. I have no grass anywhere. Um, we tried to get some sort of tax break, but they said, you know, you have to do it before you do any like landscaping. Is there going to be more chatter about that, giving incentives to people to do more natural landscaping to, you know, you know, limit the amount of water use that's going on in the community? Yeah. Water conservation is one of council's, city council's top priorities right now on that and tree protection and a healthy tree canopy. And so really thinking about how our trees um, help conserve water and they use water, but they help conserve water too and help protect you know, our, our environment in Fort Collins and really reducing water use on lawns and landscaping. Yeah. So our water conservation and forestry staff are looking at code updates. There's going to be a city council work session in January that um, takes a look at the audit of some of those codes that currently exist and looking at recommendations for changing those codes. Um, so the requirements will likely change to incentivize more zeroscape landscaping and you know you asked about incentives there's a the city has a zero scape incentive program uh, for anyone that's within the fort collins utility and a boundary and there may be some incentives built in to rates to you know more more and more over time that you know obviously the less water you use the less you're paying on your utility bill there's a bit of a financial incentive there too gotcha okay gotcha no rebecca thank you we really appreciate your time i mean you're uh you got a tough job but we, you know, let's try to, you know, <laughs> ask the questions I was going to ask. But all right, so we, we'll wrap up here. So Patrick and I, obviously, Fort Collins is like one of the microbrew capitals of the world, and everybody loves a, a cold beer. So I know it's cold and it's in December right now, but it's middle of summer. If you got a patio or a cold beer, you're looking to go. What's your what's your go to patio or go to brewery in town um, that you would uh, find yourself on a Saturday afternoon? 
Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to be a broken record with some of your past, um, the people you've interviewed in the past, but um, I have to give a shout out to Stodgy Brewing. Um, yeah. That, that brewery, um, it's a great brewery run by really great owners, and they have such a unique development story. You know, their experience in the development review process was, a, was really challenging. They took um, an existing building, an existing site that had a lot of weird things going on, and they they turned it into an amazing brewery with a with a cool outdoor space um, and a real community gathering place in the neighborhood. And there were a lot of challenges and barriers in that in that process. Um, and they worked hard to kind of implement their vision. And so I, I like their beer, I like their patio, and uh, I lo- loved working with them through our development review process. I look reach out to them to get them on here. We should. Uh, that'd be super unique because it's you know one of the first breweries in that kind of part of the area. Restaurants. I mean, like where do they what do they see out there and just all of their that's a good summer and all all yeah, all right. I lied, Rebecca. Last question: Where can everybody go to get information all on this new land use code? Fort Collins website or what's a good website they can go to? Yes, yeah. Best website to visit is fcgov, fcgov.com slash L-U-C updates. L-U-C updates. Uh, L-U-C, it was, you know, the land use code before, now it's the land development code, but L-U-C updates. Um, Got it. And, you know, there's a there's a form on there for people to ask questions. Um, there are, are email addresses, so you can reach out with um, additional questions over email, too. We're happy to talk to anyone who has questions, concerns, wants to know more. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chris, we made it through the entire podcast without you getting called into action. Uh, Chris is just expecting any any day now. So I was hoping for like, uh, hold on, guys, I got to take this call. But it, it, that would have been that like not let down a little like bit. podcast moment, like halfway through. And Chris is at the hospital; his wife's giving birth. So yeah, I know. I, at one point, I was like, Patrick, you might need to interview Rebecca by yourself because I could be called into duty here soon. But no, <laughs> I know. Well, very cool. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us today, and uh, you know, and also for all of your hard work and commitment to the city of Park Collins. Like, like you said. It's, there's some extreme intentionality behind such a great community, and you're a, a major part of that. So thank you very much. Thank you all. Really appreciate the podcast and, and what you guys are doing. So thanks for having me. All righty. Talk to you later. Bye.